Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, And today we are doing a mini series titled That They May Be One. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Every so often, we do mini-series or special topics of interest, of request. And today, and for the next few weeks moving forward, we'll be doing a series on church unity, a mini-series with a friend of mine, Matt Crum. Matt Crum lives and works in market research and business in Washington, D.C. You'll hear from a, a little bit more from him in a little bit, but super excited for this podcast. Today, we're going to dig in in John 17 as a core passage, the high priestly prayer, as it's been titled. And we'll uh, look in its implications for church unity, uh, looking straight to the scriptures. We are going to go line by line, so to speak, or really highlight 10 key ideas, draw them out, and how they are guiding scriptures for church unity, what that looks like visible in the invisible and you know, when we think of unity of the different division points, certainly important to name those as well and why we ought to be unified and in uh, all those questions. And so without further ado, here's my conversation with Matt Crum on church unity. Well, almost one last thing before we hop into this conversation and topic if you'd like to learn more about what we're doing, stay up to date with all the latest podcast episodes and stay tuned for you know any upcoming news. But also, we'd like to hear from you and what is of interest for you, any guests you'd like to have on. Please subscribe to our newsletter at theguyslikeus.com. Again, theguyslikeus.com. And you can scroll to the bottom and you can just click subscribe to um, to receive all the latest podcast episodes. And now here's my conversation on church unity. Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and we have a special treat today. We're in a mini series, and so I'm joined today with a friend of mine from Washington, D.C., currently residing in Arlington, just outside of D.C., and this is Matt Crum. And so, Matt Crum, welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. You're a first-time guest, and you'll be on the show for the next few episodes here. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. I'm, I'm very excited. I think I'm probably the least distinguished guest you might have had, you might have had on this podcast, but I am here to talk with you, Tyler, and I'm excited. Yeah. Now, Matt, well, so this is the... Um, the podcast we you know as you know as a, as a listener and we've been connect, we've been connected for some time now we discuss a lot of different folks who work in various industries who have different interests in in theology and in faith and ministry and so I'm certainly excited well you know I'm excited to have you on I think you offer a very important perspective you're living and working in in Washington DC I know you've been involved in, in market research, but also you're in the nation's capital. And with that comes a, a certain twist of, um, you know, a perspective, but also the the environment there certainly leads to a different type of way of life. And so excited to, to have that on. Is there anything else you'd like to share about, about yourself that might be relevant to our listeners here? Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think a marketplace of ideas is an apt description for Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. It is uh, full of ideas. And so, yeah, I, I've enjoyed living here. And that's, of course, how I got to know you, Tyler, during mm -hmm. your time here. And so sure. it's so great to stay connected through the years. But yeah, as as I said, I'm, I'm a layman. I'm a faithful member of the church, and I don't hmm. hold any vocational ministry titles, but as we know with this podcast, uh, we're out to hear from from guys across all walks of life, and mm -hmm. so I'm glad to glad to represent that the layman aspect, and and hopefully what we have here will be good for the church. Mm -hmm. Well, our, our running tagline is faith conversations for the common man, and so this is not to to belittle anyone nor to elevate 
anyone but to That's to right. say we are all here and we are um, in the in the eyes of God we are all made in His image and so that that gives us a great affirmation of our identity but also we recognize that we are not God and that we are fallen and broken as well and so we'll get into all this and more and uh, this is kind of leads into our topic so our our topic today and really the 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 header the mini series title is that they may be one, that they may be one. You know, there's a core text, core passage from John 17 that we'll be reading shortly, but really the the emphasis and the the next few podcast episodes will be guided around unity, what that looks like in scripture, and then how that plays out in the church, in the larger body of Christ. We have folks here represented from across the the country, different denominational backgrounds, church experience, maturity and faith, ethnicities, uh, theological views, yeah, as I said, ages. And it is mainly men, but also we have women joining as well. And so, yeah. So why don't you just give us a little introduction into your interest into unity and uh, what that entails? Yeah. So unity and and probably more specifically church unity Mm. is something is a topic that I don't think a whole lot of people think about a whole lot of North American Christians that's for sure mm-hmm. but it is it is a topic that has really been growing on me and the spirit has placed on my heart mm-hmm. because you know I look around and you see all sorts of different churches all sorts of different denominations as you mentioned and this isn't a new thing. This is something that we in North America and globally have had for, for centuries now. Mm-hmm. My, my pastor, uh, Mark Batterson, he pastors National Community Church here in D.C. I was listening to one of his sermons, and he, he had an interesting line. And he, this, this may be a slight paraphrase, but there are different kinds of churches because there are different kinds of people. Hmm. This sermon was kind of in the middle of, of my initial delving into this topic, and I, mm-hmm. and I thought about that. I said, is, is this true? Is, is Christ's church destined to be so fractured and so spread out and diverse uh, because of, of our differences and how we are created? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. and an, another thing that he says that I think is, is certainly true is it's not about the name above the door. It's about the mm. name above all names. And mm. while that while that is certainly the truth that we need to be focused on, how important is that name above the door, right? Hmm. What should we believe about it and how should it be communicated to the world? And so those were some of the motivating questions and, and themes that as I delved into this topic, uh, another, another reason why I think this is an important topic and this is exactly kind of where our discussion goes today mm-hmm. is... Mm-hmm. Got lots of friends who grew up in different denominations, a lot of Catholic friends or, or families, mm-hmm. at least, who are Catholic. They grew up, they, they went through the, the Catholic catechisms and way of doing things. Some of them are, are still interested in, in following Jesus, others are frankly not. And so what does church unity have to say about folks that have grown up in these different denominations and either still follow Jesus mm-hmm. or don't? And so what is our unified message to them? And, and, and the, the overarching idea is how does this visible unity or visible fragmentation that we experience here, how does it affect our witness? How does it affect our mission? Sure. So I think those, yeah. those are additional uh, motivations for me in exploring mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. topic. Yeah. No, that's good. And certainly resonate with some of the components you've been, yeah, you've been naming and mentioning. And I guess I'll start right with one of your first points on, and just if I, I have it written down here, there are different kinds of churches because there are different kinds of people. And so I certainly, Mark Batterson has been on this podcast several years ago and certainly respect Mark and have a high regard for the, the his creativity and how he's related to a lot of different people throughout different churches, you know, sorry, rather throughout Washington, D.C., in such an environment that is so polarizing and has been able to find his, you know, his uh, National Community Church is a church where there is a lot of different people and it's still one church. And so while I, I think I agree that, yeah, there are different, certainly different dynamics and there's always a need for more churches, I'm wondering, right, if there is some unifying aspects that are core essentials or marks of the church, right? That should be unified 
I that maybe the expression will look different, but there's there's some key marks that will distinguish or some distinguishing some yeah just some components that are that are across the board right. Tim Keller has a good article on church size dynamics, and I certainly think there is some might think that even by church size right there can be there actually is some you know some division perhaps of you know some churches have desired to be more missional and create smaller smaller missional communities while others have adopted uh, larger church models, right? And even within these, you'd think, you know, some of them can hold to the same theological core doctrines and can have similar type of people, maybe even the same neighborhood, but look very different than one another simply by their size, right? And so, you know, what are, there's so many different aspects that we, um, that we can name, and I think, right, some of us, when we think about division, right, if church unity is, is essential, it, mean, there must, it must means that there must be some division, I think, if we're talking about this. And certainly this has been a hot topic in, of the divisiveness of the church, right? The elements where the church has been look, perceived a particular way, and whether that's, yeah, as you name the Catholic-Protestant divide, the divide across ethnic or racial lines, I already named, and then the size one, which some, I think some people wouldn't think about first, right? But then there's there's tons of different kind of ways that there's been church splits along, you know, along all these different components, and we'll get into these later. Yeah. But um, I would I would actually add two more of those. You mentioned kind of three of the big ones, right? You mentioned the cultural, ethnic, the hmm. size, the uh, well. There, there's certainly the, one of the biggest one historically is theological and and doctrinal but i think also you have to put historical into hmm. its own category because as going even back to colonialism when when puritans came to the as an example north america they, they established their own way of doing church and and in, in a sense denomination just by the fact that they were a new church in north america in in new england and so there's hmm. a historical aspect to it as well i think i think those are probably the biggest four on sure how we got here, but that, I think those are that's a right. fantastic point. Right. What, what are what are the the reasons for division? First of all, before we can even talk mm-hmm. about unity, mm-hmm. sure, no, absolutely. And then and some of these, and there's I'm sure there's a lot more, but I think listeners can think of some of the ones that have impacted even their their um, when they look at the church, right? Some of the ones that they can see are divisive, and I think the core piece, and this is where I come into it, and I think has been the reason why this is so important to me is that this component of mission, right? And so we have to, if we understand, we want to understand the mission of God, what God is doing in the world today, we have to look at unity. And our core text for today is around John 17. And I, you know, we'll, we'll read that in, in just a little bit. But yeah, I think the the components for me that I, I think I saw were, were challenging is just a lot of siloed ministries. And so I think it's you know it can be frustrating when you don't like something that's going on with uh, a church, and so then you kind of split off and start your own ministry and start your own you know another another church or even another denomination. And I don't know if we necessarily need any more denominations. Uh, I think there's I think there are plenty, um, and no. <laughs> so right. And so I, I certainly get. I think that's certainly a spirit. A lot of our listeners here are based in the United States and have been impacted by culture and politics and business and commerce and trade in the United States and kind of Western, the Western world here in America. And I think that has impacted the way that we, the, our church unity, because we have, I think, this this value of uh, personal autonomy and freedom. And oftentimes that can lead to a separation from, even from submission to a local church in sometimes are just because we want to seek out something else because we don't like the way that church is doing things right and obviously there's 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 an important part of that if something is if something is there's false doctrine or heresy or something bad going on with the church you know some people you know work through it and some have to leave that as well or correct that and so but anyways yeah i think there's um for me it comes down to mission and i think it's a I think it's just really, really important. And I think it's important for church to, for the public, for those in, outside the church to see that there is a, a unified aspect of the church, right? I think so many, a handful of people that, I'm, that are coming to mind right now 
when they hear about Christianity, when they hear about the gospel, unity is not the first word, right? And I think the, the sense of division and this aspect that it's there's there's not a lot of always a lot of good things that are associated with the the capital church, capital C church, right? And at the end of the day, I think God is in charge of that. But I also think we have a responsibility and a stewardship to manage what we have here well. And so, when we read John 17, it seemed good to you? Let's do it. All yes. Right. I'm excited to get into some other of these topics too. I can't, jump, I can't jump ahead of myself. So, this is John 17. We're going to read, I'm reading from ESV version. And we'll start in verse 6. We'll read a little bit here. So, if you have a, if you're in the car, please don't pop out a Bible. But I would encourage you, if you are listening at home, to learning that. 80% of podcast listeners listen on their phones, so not sure if that's if you're at home or not. But, but anyway, so pull out a Bible if you can. I have revealed to you, to those whom you gave me out of the world, they were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you. And they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture will be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given, given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Praise be to God. Yeah. So it's a good passage here. And certainly this is from John 17. In my part, I actually read from the NIV version. But either way, <laughs> I was trying to get to the ESV, but it looks like I was in the NIV. So I thought there were a few different different language twists from the ESV. <laughs> yes, yes. So either way, we, we, we can we can discuss that in uh, yeah. different translations. But anyway, so we, um, we are no Bible scholars, so to speak. We have trusted in those who have uh, reviewed the primary source materials and, and have spent the time, but we trust in commentators. And so we've pulled from some key commentators and have, you know, done our best to kind of exegete this passage. For those who are unfamiliar, exegete is really just to pull apart and kind of go line by line, exposit, to go line by line through the passage, to analyze it, and to hear it for itself, hear what the word is saying, and to interpret it for, for listeners here 
what the word is saying in its time and then how it applies to us today. And so do you want to kick us off, Matt, with some of the, um, the key themes from this and how that really impacts church unity and why it's so important? Yeah, and, and there's certainly no shortage of commentaries on John. If you go to, uh, go to christianbook.com, right, mm-hmm. the kind of the repository of all things Christian book related, mm-hmm. you type in or you browse and you filter towards John commentaries, you get 300 results. Mm-hmm. So no shortage to choose from. We, we did not look at all 300, I'm, I'm sorry to report. Uh, I personally picked five or six to go through. Uh, well, Matt, your your variety. market Matt your mar- your market research gene is certainly showing off right now. So just right. uh, we'll my, just highlight that. My profession that. shown through there. That's I did right. some Secondary research on some primary sources there, and so very good. Yeah, I, what what I was looking for is common themes and what looking at it a little bit more on the lens of what does do the, does the passage say on unity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can. There are so many different lenses you can look through this passage on. It's 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 usually called the high priestly prayer. Mm-hmm. Others call it the prayer of consecration. Hmm. So rich theologically, and just one of the most compelling passages you read because it's hmm. it's right into the heart of Jesus. It's right into uh, it, it's it's Jesus's personal heartfelt prayer to his Father, and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. just there right there is is a theologically rich rich passage and so we we jotted down 10 big ideas mm-hmm. here there's probably 30 there, there might even be 50 but we'll we'll do our best to cover our cover this ground top 10. 10 this is guys like us top 10. that's right top 10 top 10 and so uh i'll go through kind of the first five here sure what you have probably heard throughout hmm. in, a, in a few different places is jesus's people hmm. So Jesus is praying here for his people. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting line, I'm not praying for the world. He's praying for his people, and, and more specifically, the ones the Father is giving to him. Okay. And so earlier in John, you hear everything that the, is the, everything that the Father has is mine, right? Uh, and that, that sentiment is also echoed a couple times in this passage. And so in contrast to praying for the whole world, and, and Jesus does have a lot to say for the whole world, Sure. Jesus is specifically here praying for his people and, and not and even more specifically than that, for his apostles, his immediate followers, and then those who will believe. So future believers, future followers yeah, that's right. of, of Christ. And so that's right. he prays he prays a couple of things. What two things immediately? He prays that they'd be preserved from this world, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the overall world, and that they'd be kept from the evil one. Mm-hmm. So those are some two, a few specific things that he prays for, and well, there's more later on. But that's the first theme. It's Jesus's people, the one that he hmm. is inheriting from the Father, the ones that were really Jesus's from the start, because Jesus is in lockstep with the Father, and everything that the Father has is Jesus's. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the second idea is, mm-hmm. speaking of, of being in lockstep, the Trinity's perfect unity. Mm. So throughout, G- Jesus is talking about the ideal for unity, as the perfect unity that the triune God represents is, mm. right? That is obviously, for a sinful fallen human race, I should say, an unattainable goal, but that is Jesus's heart for mm-hmm. the model of unity. As mm-hmm. we are one, you heard, just as you, Father, are in me and I and in you, that they may also be in us. And so they're therein, and that's probably probably the biggest theme that I saw across the commentaries is that Jesus's wish is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that our unity would reflect hmm. the perfect unity of the Trinity. Sure. I didn't. Idea number three was his people are kept in his name. So Jesus asked the Father to keep his people in his or by his name. And so when you hear when you hear by his or in his name, it, you probably your mind might go to a lot of the Old Testament hmm. where especially the Psalms. Right. I, I will trust in the name of the Lord. And so Jesus is calling upon this holy name. And, and so there's a ton of other instances where Jesus talks about his names. Right. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Right. And so. This name, this overall name that is also shared between the Father and Jesus, is what is ultimately keeping 
and what Jesus is making known to his followers. So, you know, it's in, in the, in the first six that you mentioned manifested yeah. your name. That's, that's what Jesus has done manifested the father's name. And then again, in the last verse, I made known to them your name. That is a key, hmm. just linchpin there that the father is keeping his Jesus followers by his name. Hmm. Let's, let's pause on these first three here. Okay. I wanted to, um, this is all, these are, these are good points. And I was looking at the first, the first one, right? And there's this element of keeping, preserving, or there's a trans, translated word is actually guard mm -hmm. from external attack. And also then terio or protected and then philoso uh, or kept them safe, guard from external attack. And so there is this sense, right, that there, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there's a sense that there's external forces, there's forces beyond, right, what's going on that outside of, yeah, outside of the, the, the unity here that are impacting or are trying to persuade or break unity, right? Mm -hmm. So there's divisive forces. There are things that, because of the state of this world, right, and we can kind of look at the big story of of the world, we know that things are not the way that they should be. We know that through sin, um, through the work of the enemy, this, the, the power of spiritual principalities, that there is a pull, and then we're in a tension right now that we're being pulled. We know where the victory is, but yet there's still things pulling us away from, from that fullness. And, you know, some of it will, we won't see on this side of this side of glory, but nonetheless, God is keeping us and protecting us, which is, which is huge. So that, that's a, that's a good one. And then I like the the third point too by his name yeah and in, especially kept by his name and you hmm. can you can almost look in every you know every old testament or basically hmm. every book in the bible to see ways that god is manifesting his name and that that terminology it's it's such a full biblical idea yeah. uh, that that the holiness of his name is keeping his people so that's it's just such a strong strong emphasis here that jesus makes when praying to his father Mm -hmm. And and that's right. When you look at Deuteronomy twelve verses five and eleven, this is kind of a little. This is we're going back to go forward here. This is that God's name carries weight in a, as like a life commitment, right? And so there's power in God's name. There's even by by the name of Jesus, demons flee and are cast out. And so yeah, there is power in His name. Yes. Okay, yes, yes. Very good. Well, why don't we continue into the next the next two here? Yeah. Yeah. And so. The idea for here is sharing in glory. So as God is glorified by the obedience, work, and sacrifice of Jesus the Son, so Jesus is glorified by the fruitfulness of his people and that they accepted the word and believed on Jesus. And so there's this parallel glorification hmm. going on. Yeah, Jesus, and so he, he mentions in uh, actually verse 4, which we didn't go over, but yeah. uh, that he has completed the work of the Father, right? Which mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. kind of some of the things that we talk about, manifesting the Father's name and obviously obedient, obedient all the way to the cross, right? And so right, right. just as, as Jesus exemplifies that obedience and glorifies right. the Father, so Christ's church, his people both the apostles and his future followers mm -hmm. are going to be glorifying Jesus through believing the word. And so earlier in John, we see what is the work of, of God? And Jesus says the work of God is to believe on him who, is, who he has sent, Jesus, right? right and so right. that belief in the word, in Jesus, and the fruitfulness that his future followers will have glorifies Jesus. And so we mm -hmm. share in that glory as well. Because Jesus Jesus gives it to us, right? Going back to, I, Father are in me, and I in you, and they also may be in us. So there's mm -hmm. this glory that we share now mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. Jesus and the Father. And so another another big thing, and the last the last component of that idea sure. is God loved Jesus from eternity, right? Yeah. The 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 glory glory and based in love. There's this eternal love that we can't even fathom. Mm -hmm. uh, mentioned in verse 24 and 26 uh, that mm -hmm. provides the undergirding for this glory and glorification mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you mentioned so the next one idea five is you already kind of alluded to it mm -hmm. there's this in the world but not of the world mm -hmm. so 
Jesus' people will be separate from the world sure. in but not of. That, that's referenced in, in verse 14, as Jesus is. Jesus was, was otherworldly in his entire ministry and mm-hmm. life, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is supposed to be a unity-enhancing thing. The fact that we are a called apart, a people set apart, yeah. is supposed to be a unifying thing element and right right we could probably pull up examples of how it is and how it isn't but but we are his church remains in the world and so we are in but of that world Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i like that yeah this this last one in but not of and there is this that is i think um people can get behind that and agree with that but then it, practically, it can be hard to yeah to link arms or to even be alongside others who are yeah I, I think this is a this is a challenging component because I guess let me so you mentioned here in was it believe in verse twenty I do not ask for these only but for those who will believe in me through their word and so is there's this interesting dynamic right because God is setting apart his chosen people for the sense of unity, right? But there's also these future pe- people who he's who he will be calling to to be unified too. And so there is this call. And so that sometimes I think this can be this, this sense of like preservation, which is true because it is this set apartness. But then sometimes in our preservation, it can lead to almost isolation, which is good of the sense of the bigger church, but oftentimes just leads to my church in my backyard is that's the preservation do you know what i'm saying yeah and so i think there's a critique there but also this sense that god is still drawing people to himself right and so there this is a missional move and it's not something to close our doors and to be where you're unified and so i just want to caution that there because i think that's sometimes what i can jump to when i um when i when i hear those that that verse of in but not of yeah, we, we are not supposed to unify in separation from the world. That that shouldn't be Correct. the motivation to kind of hide away from the world uh, as as our own secret club, right? It's and, and actually idea six is is kind of the direct sure. uh, real motivation, which we'll get into in a second. But I, I think you're exactly right. We're we are uni- but but spiritually we are separate from the world. We are empowered by an otherworldly god yeah a god that created the world and so we sure. we we have we by default when we when we receive the spirit are therefore as jesus was otherworldly mm-hmm. we are empowered by that spirit and mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. it's it's one of those one of those spiritual truths that you have to be careful to not bring into a physical truth right so that's that's an absolutely great point mm-hmm. no so yeah good. so i guess as a summary so let's let's do a summary for the audience so far mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. jesus is praying for his people both yeah. the apostles and those who will believe in the future mm-hmm. the future mm-hmm. church yeah he models this unity on the perfect unity yeah of the trinity father son and the holy spirit yeah this this people is kept by his name, the holy name sure. of of God. We share in the glory of mm-hmm. the Trinity. Jesus, Jesus glorified glorifies God the Father, and we his church, we Jesus' church glorify Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we are a people that is in the world but not of the world, spiritually speaking. Which leads us Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To idea six mm. and unity's purpose, which is mission to very much be in the world. <laughs> sure. And so the purpose of mm. the apostles and future followers unity is right. to be a witness to the world. That's right. So that the world may believe. Mm-hmm. That's that's in uh, in verse twenty one. Yeah. Uh, the, the church's this church's otherworldly unity is a compelling missional message to the world. And, and again here in, in 1723, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. I have sent them into the world. And so there it is right there. The, the, the purpose, the outgoing purpose of this unity is to witness to the world so that the world may believe. Yeah, That is what keeps us from separating and hiding away from the world. Yeah. 
And that's and this is the outflow of God's glory in through his son Jesus and yes. three and one. And that this is the this is key. This is a key text, right? This verse verses twenty one through twenty three here that you just that you just mentioned and gets us into this understanding that and we can kind of even draw in a a, a, her, a hermeneutic of missions through this so when we read in we say this is in some sense impacting our missiology or the study of mission right and so how we are on mission and an important part of that yes is is the call of uh, evangelism and but there's also this call of unity and so perhaps we'll get into that later but there is um, there's an important part of being on mission and in this con- this comprehensive view of mission, this unity in the body of Christ is a is an important part for the witness, so that they others outside may believe. And it's actually in effect, it is a mode of it's a it's an evangelistic component of the church, um, though it may not appear or seem like one from the from the outset. So, I I I love that. That one, and again, that was my the kind of a, a personal interest into into mission. I'm a, I think I'm a pretty, I'm a part of a missional, pretty missional church. I think mm-hmm. I love missional work. So that's idea six. Idea seven is joy and sanctification. So Jesus comes and is consecrated that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves, and that God may sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And then a little bit later, verse 19, that they also may be sanctified in truth. And so there's this aspect of sanctification. There's this aspect of growing in holiness and not for its sake, holiness's sake, but to, I think, to grow in presence and in unity with the Father. I think as we grow and seek God, we are we come together and are uh, continue to be shaped and transformed through Him, and in effect, it's a it's a you know it's a witness to the world as well of this, and it's all connected, right? Because it's it sets us apart. Yeah, that we are set apart people, unified. When in the midst of division, the church is unified. Yeah, and, and joy and sanctification as this as the seventh idea kind of connects to the very first idea that there are. There are four specific things that Jesus asks for his people. We already talked about the first two, that they would be preserved from the world, mm-hmm. that they would be kept from the evil one. And then we see the next two, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And then finally, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Sure. Your word is truth. And so I, I like to tie those four things together because when you break down this passage, those are the four specific things Jesus is praying for his church, right? Uh, So joy, sanctification, uh, protection, Hmm. um, kind of those outward aspects of of protection. And then the inner aspects that we get to experience joy and sanctification uh, through uh, us being in Christ. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I just love that as kind of the wrapping, the idea that wraps up what Jesus is specifically asking the Father to give his, his followers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love it. Well, I'm going to continue on to idea eight here. And I think an important card, part of this passage is that it is certainly Christ-centered. And so when we look on verses six to nine, right, this is... This is this is showcasing God incarnate, His deep relationship and submission to the Father, obedience to the Father. Verses six to nine. I'll just read. So I'll just read a little bit here. And now, sorry, number seven. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in the truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. And so through Jesus, right, there is an there is an understanding that yes, Jesus is God, through it. And so in that unity, in the midst of unity, when they when those see unity, they see God. And so through through the incarnation, through Christ becoming flesh, dwelling with man, it reflects. Well, He is God, and so in it, and it's a 
where we see the, the we see God through Christ. Yeah, so it is certainly Christ-centered. The other idea, last two we come to, is that we are known by God intimately. And so we'll look at verse 25. Um, I hope our audience is sticking with us today. This is a, this is a line-by-line so analysis. Rich. And so, so we rich. want, this is the... Uh, five podcasts on this, Tyler. No, 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 please no. So we, we this is the this we will do this podcast, but then we will um, certainly lighten things up a little bit as we as we as we continue in this breaking it down. That's right. So, O righteous Father, verse twenty five. Even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. And so when we dwell with Christ, with the indwelling of the Spirit, right? Christ dwells within, within us. And so we are participating in the triune God, right? We are participating in God's, in God's story, really. And it's deeply intimate. And so if we're entering in, we can see this deep intimacy, right? The knownness between the Father and the Son and the Son to the Father, how deeply they know one another. What, what I think about is can come back to the the church as the bride of Christ. And so it, it really is like a, it's a marriage type, you know, bride is typically used in marriage. And so there is this deep intimacy between the church as the bride and Christ as the head. And so we are, um, we have that sort of intimate relationship and that's modeled here through this, through this, this passage. Yeah, and I think a key word that we're not using that uh, our audience might mm. be curious about is, is love, right? Hmm. The utmost importance of the Father's love. That's right. And uh, how the, the Father's love is manifested through Jesus and Jesus' love now for the church. And so hmm. if you look at the second phrase of first yeah. 24, because you loved me before the foundation mm. of the world. Mm-hmm. I said it before, it's an unfathomable love that yeah. the Trinity has for each other hmm. we w- when we access just a taste of that intimacy as hmm. you mentioned hmm. we are participating in that i'll use the word again otherworldly love hmm. and and there therein is our in there's there's another motivation for our intimacy and unity right sure. there so that's sure. yeah I, I love that you pulled oh, that yeah. together as that ninth idea yeah and coming Coming to idea number ten here, and they're no, they're no, not in a particular order. So don't think ten is the yes. least important, or don't think number one is the most important. Right? But the relationship of the father and son in unity, and we can, you know, this is mainly on the father son. Although we see father son in spirit through different passages in scripture, so we'll kind of keep this this trinitarian understanding of God, which we believe in. The relationship of the father and son expresses the function and role that each play, right? And so we can see throughout both persons, three persons of the Trinity, but with different roles. And so the roles of the Father and Son show the way in which we represent and bear God's name as image bearers, right? And another kind of thing is we can reference passages, 1 Corinthians 12, with different giftings to edify and to strengthen, but yet you know, there's different roles and different giftings um, and functions and how that edifies and strengthens the church. And so we can see the, 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 the role of the son here in his obedience and submission to the father. And we can see the father's provision, but there's also this mutual glorification and deep love as well. And so they're unified, but yet there's also distinction. And I think that's something important to note, the, dis- the function on display of the way that unity works out, right? And this can kind of lead into some of our other conversations of the different, back to kind of your initial kind of thought, there's different types of people, sure, but there's also different giftings as well. And there's, there's different, uh, I'd say, you know, roles. And so not, not to get too deep into that, but I think that's an important part for how we think about uni- unity and, you know, do you have to have, yeah. And that kind of gets into the marks of the church too. So I'll have to say that those are the 10 ideas. want to wrap up these last few here and recap. Yeah. And, and a, a point that I'll add on that is 
many, many commentaries talk about the diversity of giftings. But I think, and, and you mentioned that 1 Corinthians 12 is a prime example. Obviously, every church, every local church, the global church is going to have a diversity of giftings. And that is a display of the diversity and uniqueness that we're all created in. But it kind of leaves unanswered that hmm. visible, invisible unity question, which is, you know, something that we'll dig into in future podcasts. It's, it's okay, sure, individual members have different giftings and different roles to play, but does that necessarily mean that the church is going to look different in all places and be so fragmented like it is? Hmm. And so it's it's interesting how many commentaries don't talk about visible types of unity, church function and practice and structure type of unity, but are focused mostly on, and for, and for good reason, because this is a very spiritual prayer that Jesus is praying for, right? Uh, but they only, but, but most of them focus on the spiritual aspects of it. So hmm. something that we will keep talking about as this series goes on, yeah. but... Something that I wanted that, to wrap that last yeah. point up with with that in mind. No, and I think something that that provoked in response is thinking that in the visible church, right? There's there are certain churches that have a, a stronger emphasis in different areas, right, of their distinction, right? And some are more focused on missions because perhaps that's those that's a lot a lot of the people have more giftings in missions right some churches might have a more stronger emphasis on teaching and are much more of a teaching teaching base because you know there there's just a lot of stronger teachers right some may be a lot more of a really have that hospitality that care that mercy because those are some of the people that are representative and so not to say I think it's important to have all these different, just on the, the giftings component, represented within a church because I think that helps to grow it in maturity. And it really is the, it leads to the, the we look at Ephesians 4, is the, the equipping of the saints as well to do their works of service and ministry. When we have all these things coming together and are unified in the midst of, distinction. I don't know. Just a provoking yeah. interesting thought. And I think you've actually nailed the the component of division that we that we might have missed when we talked about historical reasons, doctrinal or theological sure. reasons, cultural ethnic reasons. Another reason is I'll call it practice or mission reasons, right? Churches behaving differently and structuring themselves differently because they have different well, because they're, I should say they don't, don't have different giftings, they're emphasizing different giftings, which I think was your point. Sure. The, the goal there is that, that those different giftings all come together in a unity that is beautiful and compelling to the world. Right. But I think sometimes you see divisions crop up about, oh, this is, we're a missional church, or, oh, no, we're a, we're a community church. Sure. We focus on building the community, or, or oh, we're a, you know, we're a, traditional church which focuses on carrying through you know faithfully the the mm. traditions of of the apostles and so that's that's another very interesting hmm. divisive point not 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 always intentionally divisive sure. not always in fact yeah almost never in a bad spirit correct. type of divisive correct but it's just a, more an, an emphasis divisiveness that perhaps when you you know when you consider that from a wider lens, you, you might ask, well, why, do they, why does that need to happen? But um, again, not, not all bad at all. And, and when it does operate like, like an orchestra, it, it is a beautiful and compelling mission, sure. uh, missional message to the world. That's right. I like that. Like an orchestra. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Very good. So the, the, last, the last five ideas, right, were the unity of purpose and mission, yeah. joy and sanctification. There's a Christ-centered emphasis and, and really is the crux and passage shows that of the, the no that we're known by God intimately Jesus is known by God God knows Jesus we are known by by God and function on display and so these are the kind of last ones and so this was a, a good a good summary I think we're we're closing in now on on 50 some minutes getting nearing the hour mark here and so yeah is there any final thoughts or 
any, any reflections perhaps of, of some, some curious components that maybe we'll discuss in the, uh, in future episodes. Yeah. I would just go back to our initial motivations and questions for our audience and sure. ask the audience to ask themselves why do we have different kinds of churches? Why do, why are there many different churches in your neighborhoods? Mm -hmm. uh, what does it mean? What are the names on the doors of those churches mean? What does it reflect to the world? How do you think your community, your neighborhood views the message of your views, the either the, or perhaps there is a lot of unity in your community or there's perhaps a lot of disunity where, how do you think, Hmm. your community sees that. So, so some key questions I sure. think to ask yourself. Sure. That's a good one. That's uh, good. Wherever you live. No, these are good. These are good questions. Yeah. I, I like that. I, I'm having a sense that as, as we get on to other podcast episodes as well, we're going to, you know, have to point people back to this episode and to say, well, you know, to understand what we're really talking about, you should really listen to to episode one. Not that, you know, I'm sure you can listen to them out of order, but I think it would be good to, to come back to this kind of foundation to say, okay, here's kind of some of the big components and why this is such a guiding, guiding force, guiding text, guiding passage into, into unity and the visible and the spiritual and those dynamics and such. And so, well, that's all, that's all I got for today. I'm excited for where this is going to go and we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Nonetheless, let's uh, ask those questions and consider, yeah, for ourselves. And if you are, if you do have questions or uh, there's com certain components you'd like to hear, you know, or wondering about, um, feel free to message um, us as well. You can send me an email at tbrondike at theguyslikeus.com. And I'd love to hear from you on any feedback, any topics of consideration, questions that you're asking, um, or thoughts around this topic too. Well, thank you, Matt, for joining me today and uh, kicking off this Guys Like Us miniseries. Thank you, Tyler. The adventure begins. Mm-hmm.